Welcome to The Austin Approach. I'm your co-host, Bryce Duby. And I'm your co-host, Michelle I. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? How are you doing? Not bad. I'm still reeling from the fact that it's June. <laughs> I know. It's. I feel like with Memorial Day weekend being at the very end of the month this year, all of a sudden it was like, oh, it's a nice little weekend. I was like, wait, how is it June? How are we heading into summer? I know. I know. I mean, I feel like we say that at the beginning of every month, but seriously, somebody pressed the fast forward button because all kinds of deadlines are hitting and things happen to be done. And I'm like, how are we almost halfway? Well, we are almost halfway through the year. Yeah, it's crazy how quickly everything picked up. I feel like we were just dealing with uh, winter storms and things. And now already we are in, as we saw over the weekend, straight into the summer travel season. It has begun. It has begun. It's been that, you know, I was in the, uh, I was um, at the administrative building on Friday and there was nowhere to park. Hooray! (laughs) It was awesome. We actually ended up doing a media event uh, on Friday, so that would have been right before Memorial Day weekend. Uh, So we got a bunch of media to come out to really kind of remind everybody that it's going to be busy again. And uh, we weren't we weren't kidding. Actually, on Monday, um, actual Memorial Day itself, we had twenty five thousand passengers go through TSA security. Wow! um, Which, for perspective, like our busiest day in airport history was thirty one thousand. So like we're we're jumping. Yeah, that's great. That's always good news. We're we're I think I, I would say we're back to business at this stage. Yeah, and I know we even have more flights coming this summer with a lot more um launches and things coming with I know we've got flights to Nassau and Aspen and uh Boise and it's a lot of really cool leisure destinations all throughout the summer, which is really exciting. And I know one thing that kind of uh, got a little bit of buzz that we saw, some exciting news, not for this summer, but for next year, we've got some big air service coming back. Yes. Tell us about it, Bryce. I think, you know, just as I don't, I think everyone's kind of been talking about yeah. it. Um, but at the moment, it seems like it's, it's, it's looking like right now that uh, KLM is going to be um, starting their service to the Netherlands and Amsterdam um, next year in the spring of 2022. Yay! Have you ever been? Have you ever been to Amsterdam? I have. I have not really been to Europe other than layovers, so I, I haven't had a chance to explore. I was supposed to head to Paris last year, at, and unfortunately, that didn't happen with COVID. Um, but no, I've I, all the places we've talked about. The UK, Ireland, Amsterdam. Nope. Don't talk to me about Paris. Do not talk to me about Paris. I was, I, my 40th birthday was supposed to be in Paris. I was planning on smoking a cigar and drinking some brandy in a ball gown. And uh, <laughs> instead I had a baby. <laughs> so it didn't quite work out. Paris, uh, I, will, I, I might go back when I might go there when I'm 45, maybe even 50. It's in, it's in my sights. But now I can go to Amsterdam instead. How about that? Yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I would love to get over. I, I've been through Charles de Gaulle Airport. I've been through the Zurich Airport. I've been through the Moscow Airport. I've had layovers and connections through a lot of the airports there, but I have never actually spent any measurable amount of time in Europe itself. So I'm super excited for KLM to be coming back. I know we are always eagerly looking to the horizon for what we're going to see with some of our other. Um, airline partners as well with Lufthansa and British Airways and things, but we're starting to see some of this stuff come back, and it, it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm gonna, I'm gonna still pitch that Dublin flight, though. <laughs> 
I might have to say that every single episode. <laughs> any any word, Bryce, on a direct flight from Austin to Dublin? <laughs> Nothing that I'm aware of. I, I think we both have our reoccurring themes. I'm just going to constantly talk about hamburgers on this <laughs> podcast. You're going to pitch the Dublin flight. Well, have you had a new hamburger at the terminal yet? Um, no, not since we went to Huts. Um, haven't had any food at the terminal. Actually, I have had some coffee though because I've had a couple early mornings recently. Oh yes, um, heading through. And if you are looking for coffee options if you have got an early morning flight we have a lot of different options available to folks for many different preferences and types and all of that yeah where do you where do you normally hit i personally even though it's it's a little bit um down into the 90 day expansion but i i personally love cafe medici or medici i don't know sure how you pronounce Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. um but i am definitely a fan i'm also kind of just a sucker for straight black coffee things like that so i don't need anything fancy but i really love what they do and i know Others folks have some other favorites. What do you have a personal favorite? I do not. Well, so I'm very simple on my coffee, right? I just like a latte. That being said, though, I got clued in uh, one of the the girls that uh, one of the ladies that I work with. She asked me one time if I'd tried it with oat milk, and I was like, huh. "This can be milked." I'm always surprised by what next kind of milk it could be. Uh, so I give oat milk a go, and I have to say, I actually like it. But the only place that seems to that I can get it is Starbucks. And even then, Starbucks doesn't always carry oat milk. A lot of the times they're out. So either it's something really popular or something that um, is not so popular so they don't bring in an awful lot, you know. But um, yeah, now I buy oat milk to put in my coffee. But yeah, I'm pretty much a, a Starbucks all the way. I also have, I've enjoyed the um, the experience of robot coffee. Have you have you tried our... Oh, yeah. Have you got a coffee from our robot yet? Our robot machine? I... I have not. Um, and for folks who are unaware, we have um, two coffee robots in the terminal. So these are robotic kiosks. It's Costa Coffee. And you can download the app or you can just order it right on site um, and order coffee that is actually made and brewed and prepared and everything through a little robotic machine. It's really cool. You can kind of see it working in the machine and all of that. Um, the thing I haven't done, even though it's a really neat feature is you can use the app and kind of, I think like program in like almost like a pickup time and just kind of swing by like, Hey, I want to, I know I'm going to be going to gate nine and I know this is on the way. I'm going to have my coffee ready to go as I'm going over and you just roll right in. Yep, I've totally done that. Yay. And it's, and it's, it is fantastic by the way, when, uh, you know, when I'm running to, uh, when I used to be running from meeting to meeting and, and they'd have meetings at the terminal and I would, I would hit that up. I would get on the app and grab my coffee. No waiting lines. Just grab it. It's 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 made exactly as you want it, nice and hot. And it was it's just waiting there. You type in your code and poof, you bring it, you get it, and yay! And it's there for you. Yeah, and I know one of my colleagues is um, a big fan of Joe's Coffee, which is kind of right in the middle of the terminal next to the Saxon Pub in our big main stage area. I've had their coffee as well. It's it's again. I think we have. We have a lot of coffee options, and I know we've talked about and plugged the map before. You can find all of them on the map on our website and get all that information. Um, I'd be curious to see if anyone else out there has any personal favorites and what they would like, recommend, if it's something on the menu they that you should try. I'm not sure. I, again, I'm, I'm a straight black coffee drinker, so I, I like I can get what I can get. I'm, I'm used to army coffee skills. So. <laughs> the Americano. Bryce yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Is it hot? Does it have caffeine? I'm good. There you go. Although, you know, it, it, it is coming up to summertime. So a couple of things that I've discovered is 
I'm, I'm not, I'm not into frappuccinos or anything like that, but I have, there's something about watching somebody drink a frappuccino that makes me really want one. And, and so I've discovered the, um, uh, the, I think it's an, an Oreo frappuccino, is it an Oreo frappuccino, uh, that Starbucks does. And then there's like some cookie ribbon caramel thing, caramel ribbon crunch. That's what it's called. Caramel ribbon crunch frappuccino. Um, yeah. All calories, man. All calories. Wow. All delicious. That's a lot. Speaking of sweet things, something else that comes to mind is birthday cake. Um, and um, we didn't have an airport birthday cake this year for our birthday, but we did just celebrate our birthday yep. um, for the airport on May 23rd. Yes, we did. And and there was no cake and there should be cake, Bryce. And I think next year we might have to have a cake off. Just so you know, by the way, I'm terrible at baking, but I will I can give it a go. Do you bake? I bake a lot. Actually, a random side thing is I actually volunteer with a nonprofit that does big cookie fundraisers every year. So I, I can bake hundreds, if not thousands of cookies. My cake skill is not as good, but if you need cookies, I can definitely help. And I, I can't believe I just threw down the, I threw down the gauntlet without ever thinking that you're a man of many talents. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to retract that. <laughs> well, I, I will say the one talent that I definitely know I have is I, I was a history major and I definitely love obsessing over weird little rabbit holes and things. So Looking at the airport's birthday mm-hmm. um, and sort of the history of the airport, and that's one of the reasons I'm excited about our guest that we have today. Um, but I did a kind of deep dive into the history of aviation in Austin, um, and it's it's an interesting story. Yes, I can't wait to hear because last time we had Jill Goodman on the podcast, and she was talking about the future of the airport. And you know, some one of the best ways to think about the future is to also respect and and understand where we came from. And I mean, we have quite a rich history. So what you got for us, Bryce? Well, I think one of the interesting places to start to me, it's one of my favorite aviation stories, but one of the absolute first flights to ever land in Austin Mm -hmm. um, was an aircraft and it was known as the Vin Fizz Flyer. Okay. Um, (laughs) Say that three times fast. So, so it's a weird one. So VinFizz was a soda company, and this was in 1911, mm-hmm. and they had a contest to fly coast to coast across the United States because no one had ever done that before. Um, it wasn't nonstop, obviously, um, but there was a pilot, and his name was um, Cal Rogers, or it was Calbraith Rogers, mm-hmm. um, and he took an early uh, Wright model flyer, so like the Wright brothers, and he flew this plane city by city by city across the United States. And one of his stops was in Austin. So like one of the absolute first flights to ever land in Austin, if it was probably the first, um, was the Vin Fizz flyer in 1911. Wow. I'm just looking as you're talking about that. I'm just looking this up right now. Yep. The Vin Fizz flyer, the Vin Fizz flyer. That's not easy to say. Who came up with that? No, it's, <laughs> but it's an amazing story. If you ever have any interest in it, like he, it flew, he, it wasn't just like a straight shot across the country. Like it went all the way from out in New York and ended up down in Long Beach in California, but it went through Chicago. It went all the way down through San Antonio. Uh, it like snaked all across the country. It was really kind of an interesting adventure, I guess. Look at this. It, it took almost three months. Yeah, it was a three-month flight. That's crazy. Right, when you think about that now, three months. So do you know where it landed? Because, I mean, there was no ABIA, right? 
It landed in a field. We actually nice. have a photo. I will post online. Um, we've got a photo of him um, somewhere in Austin. I don't know the exact location, but that was kind of the spark for aviation in Austin. And then um, what you would see over the next couple of years was a lot of little airfields that would pop up. One of them that was um, fairly well known was used during World War One for training was Penfield. Mm-hmm. Um and that was actually the location for it. There were, it was it was an air base and they had flyers and flight training and all of that. And it's actually now down on South Congress, uh, kind of the intersection of South Congress and Alpine. So right over uh, kind of in that area, there was a small airport, but it wasn't anything official for the city. It was more for military training and things like that. Like um, a, like petrol fill in, like a gas fill in st- uh, station. No. Uh, a little bit more. It was more. It was more for military training. So it was World War One, getting pilot training pilots for all of that. But there wasn't really like a big like passenger or anything. That didn't come too far later, though. Um, so by 1928, the city decided that, that there needed to be an actual airport here in Austin. So they started working on all of that, and officially in, on October 14th in 1930, uh, the Robert Mueller Municipal Airport opened for the very first time, and that was the first uh, airport in Austin. Wow, in the 20s. It, but yeah, it was. They built it in the 20s and opened in 1930, uh, and we've had aviation here ever since. That's awesome. And that's an interesting airport. It's, I mean, obviously we all know the Mueller neighborhood and we've talked about that before. Um, but I've looked at photos of what the original was and it was a dirt strip in the middle of the field. And you can see the city of Austin way off in the horizon. When I think like Mueller now, I'm like, oh yeah, that's almost down. Like that's, that's in Austin. Uh, and back then where it was located was way on the outskirts. And as the city continued to grow, um, they remodeled it and did a new version in 1961 uh, and that's the terminal and the tower that everyone recognizes uh, all the way up until the 90s but eventually as the city grew it more or less surrounded um the Mueller airport and they realized that they needed to find a bigger space a better space to accommodate the airport wow and that's when they decided to to uh move to what we know now that used to be the Air Force Base, right? So, sort of. So it's interesting. They were originally looking at actually building a brand new airport out in Maynard. Mm. Uh, that was their going to be their first um, solution. But then around the same time, the Department of Defense dis- was doing an evaluation, what they call brackets, space realignments and closures. So they were looking to see what bases they needed to move things around, possibly shut down all throughout the country. And Bergstrom Air Force Base... Uh, here in Austin, ended up on the BRAC list. So that got scheduled to be closed down. So there was this kind of really great little sync up of Austin was looking to get a space uh, for a larger airport. And here was this large Air Force base that could accommodate all sorts of giant aircraft that was going to be shutting down. Wow. And so what a treat we have today, because we're going to be talking to somebody who worked at that Air Force base and then worked at the airport too. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited. Our our guest today uh, is Scott Madol, and he is sort of a 
the story of aviation in Austin. I, I, I can't wait for y'all to hear from him and just kind of everything that he's seen, experienced, talking Bergstrom Air Force Base, talking the building of the Austin airport, all the way up to his role now. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Want to stay connected with the Austin approach? Be sure to hit the subscribe button. You can also find us online on Facebook and Twitter at Austin Airport, on Instagram at AUS Airport, and on our website at austintexas.gov airport. Got a question or topic you'd like to hear on a future episode? Email us at the Austin approach at austintexas.gov. So, Michelle, I know from even our very first episode, I think we had mentioned on episode one that this was going to be a guest that we were excited to talk to and we're looking forward to speaking with. Absolutely. The man, the legend. <laughs> and he's here. We got him. We got him to come in off of his off of his schedule, off of all of the things that he's doing as he's happily retired. Uh, we are delighted to have with us today, Mr. Scott Madol. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I think we this episode really our focus is we've been talking a little bit about the history of the airport, the history of aviation in Austin, a little bit about about Bergstrom Air Force Base, but I know you have a very unique perspective. When was the first time that you got involved in aviation here in Central Texas? Bergstrom was Bergstrom Air Force Base was the first assignment I had, uh, or actually the second assignment I had in the Air Force. When we got here, and I think it was 1969, we I had a, a choice of assignments when I I left uh, the school my school, and uh, when I said I had chosen Bergstrom Air Force Base in Texas, my better half was upset. Her vision of Texas was blowing tumbleweeds and no malls. We came from Minneapolis St. Paul, which probably had one of the first malls in, in the country and that was her thing was shopping malls <laughs> we didn't closest thing we had was sears so uh you know she was kind of befuddled by that i, I flew rf4s as a weapon systems officer and um after a while after i figured out how to do away with motion sickness uh i couldn't believe the airports paid you extra to do this i mean it was it was a hoot. And and because uh, back then, the tactics that we used in, in uh, tactical reconnaissance was, was basically uh, as fast as the airplane could go, as low as you dare. And that was that was really cool. I mean, every every mission was really a lot of fun. Do you know what is the fastest speed you ever clocked? What was the fastest speed I ever went? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 2.43 times the speed of sound. So, wow. Yeah, we did that. We did that on uh, functional check flights, which is where we test the airplane. Uh, and you could only do that when you took all the, the all the all the tanks, the pylons, and everything off the airplane, which is what we did. And we flew the airplane as fast as it would go. And uh, that's, that's that's what we did. And we did that. On a supersonic run, running from Junction, Texas, up towards Lake Buchanan. So it it was uh, it was that was a lot of fun. Wow! And, uh, wow! The, uh, the uh, as I said, the, when I when 
the, the guys I flew with, particularly the guy I was crewed up with most of the time, figured out that I knew I, I didn't have any trouble talking to air traffic control, which was his biggest nuisance, he thought. And the other thing is they figured out I could actually fly the airplane. And the one guy I used to fly with hated to fly on the left wing when we flew formation. So I learned how to fly formation. But that's not really legal, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, so when we left here, which was uh, probably early, early 70, um, when my wife drove out of town, I can still remember um, going through um, – Driftwood or Griffin Springs, um, that we both said to each other, we want to come back here when we retire. This is where we this this is where we want to retire. And we left there and then um you know, we moved 14 times in the Air Force, but the, the last move we made was coming back here. Now what was your role with your last assignment? I was a wing commander. I was actually the uh, the installation commander for the base, and uh, we had two numbered air forces, uh, one reserve air force and one uh, active air force. The active air force, 12th Air Force, that that uh, three-star general, I think it was, was basically my boss. So anything went wrong, it was my fault, and I would have to find a way to fix it. And that was, that was, that was, uh, but, but wing commander was, I had been in commander slots in the Air Force for probably seven years. That, the job of wing commander was absolutely the most fun, the most, the, the, the things I learned were really, uh, to me, something I would have never learned had I not had that experience. Uh, the, uh, the people that worked here had terrific talents. Their skills were unbelievable, and their dedication was also also unbelievable. What we wanted to do was close the Air Force Base with the same kind of dedication and attention to detail that our predecessors had. So the commitment I made, and and obviously my people actually followed through on it, was when we left this base and closed up, there was not a broken piece of glass on the base. The grass was cut. Everything looked good. It was, and we went to, uh, you know, I mean, we had a lot of emphasis on that. One, one thing I will never forget is one, one time we, we closed every building. I had one guy that was responsible for closing. He inspected each building. And I, I go down and inspect buildings every once in a while, too. Well, the guy called me up one morning and said, you need to come down here and take a look at this. Okay. We went to the engine shop. When we got to the engine shop, I mean, there was it was clean, it was pristine, and the whack and the floor floors were waxed, and that's the kind of dedication that the people had. Really, really something. And it was hard to close the base. What we did, I bet. What we did was we we had we had a flight of people that were retiring that day or, or hadn't moved yet. And they all they marched to the main gate with a flight of civilians that were employed on the base and uh, retirees. And we had a band band came up from from uh, Randolph and they played. And we marched to the, the main gate and and then I kind of went through the thanked everybody and and then I relieved the gate guard of his duties and I got on a horse and rode west. 
And a lot of people don't know, you know, I mean, I had somebody that worked for me as a commander of supply. She had horses and I, they kept asking me, what are you going to do when you retire? And I kept saying, I'm just going to get on a horse and ride west. And she at one point said, if you really want to do that, sir, I've got horses. I said, you're on. And <laughs> I love it. She, she how came how far did you go, Scott? Oh, I went past uh, uh, past Spirit Lane, you know, down there. Uh, I didn't get that 183, but I got past Spirit Lane. The the guy that the 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 general that came out to to uh, participate in the ceremony didn't really understand what was going on. <laughs> so, but anyway, it's like where do you go? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that's what that's what what we did to close the base, and then and then after that, um, I had talked to to uh, the the folks at uh, the airport, and I got hired to be to be site manager, and I went to work the next Monday for the, the airport. So you didn't just ride off into the sunset; you got right back to it. It sounds like yeah, yeah, but that was and that was really interesting. I didn't really appreciate. All the things that 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 the the guys who worked for me in the Air Force did until I was running the site when we had all kinds of problems with water, you know water mains and gas mains and all electricity and all that kind of thing. So I had fortunately I had really good people working for me and and uh, they were able to solve the problem. But you were at the airport for how many years? I worked for the the Department of Aviation. At the airport, when it was air, an active airport, I was I was there for eight years. Okay, and that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. There were a lot of things had a lot of things that went on that, that uh, you got to kind of shake your head at and say. I, one of, one of the things that happens in Austin is because of you know it's it's kind of an accident by geography and and weather. But when we have a bad storm come through Texas, Austin gets a lot of diversions. And they divert, and then the bad day is when they divert from both the Houston area and from the Dallas Fort Worth area, and that happens sometimes. And we had uh, we had one day where um, you know, there's a lot of war stories associated with diversions because we get you know we we'll get close to 30 airplanes that weren't aren't supposed to be here. And where do you park them? <laughs> Wherever there's concrete, and so that's what that's what we did. And our guys were really good at that. And we had a uh, I want to say an Emirates was an Emirates uh, Airbus 380, which is the big, huge airplane, not supposed to be here ever, but it it came, <laughs> and it arrived. And and uh, so we parked it up on the maintenance ramp, and uh, we had bought. In air stairs, we had this cosmic air air stairs that extends up to no no problem with a 380, and it's got an internal system that you can take people on wheelchairs down the down the steps in their wheelchair, and uh, that was pretty slick. So I so I had a big hand in specking that thing, and it cost a lot of money. So anyway, we got we got the I got the we got the air stairs out and drove it up there to get to get the uh, passengers off the airplane, which was a long story too. But anyway, I did, I'm driving the air stairs back to the, where where we keep it. Uh, I'm driving down the, the the service road and I'm saying to my you know then I'm coming up on a checkpoint checkpoint Charlie, and at that point it had a 
uh, awning. Well, I'm driving down the road, and I've been I've been there like this is my 22nd hour or something like that. Wow. And I'm driving down the road, and I'm saying to myself, "Don't hit the awning! Don't hit the awning! Don't hit the awning!" Guess what I did? <laughs> I destroyed the awning. Much to the surprise of the person, poor lady that was going to check my ID. Anyway, so they got a new, you know, check. That was, that was good. And I always get harassed about that. There, I can't imagine why. Huh? There's a lot of, I, there's, you got time for more story? When President Obama came in, we had this old uh, air stairs that we had, from, we, we inherited from the Air Force. And that was going to be the backup for his, the President Obama's air stairs to Air Force One when he got off the airplane. My, my job, I was just driving the backup air stairs, which never again. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, so, so we get there and President Obama is, it's a backup, just in case the air stair, the, 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 the uh, good air stairs is not working. Well, it works. President Obama is on the air stairs. He's coming on. Now, see, Secret Service had told me to turn to get get my engine started in case that, that air stairs didn't didn't work. Well, since President Obama was already coming down the stairs, I turned off the ignition. And the diagon is that air stairs engine didn't backfire. Oh no. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> oh president, they expedited President Obama <laughs> into what we call the hard car. And uh, I'm sitting there, you know, uh, looking at the the secret Ser- uh, secret service guy, and I like, get over here. <laughs> and I explained to him, look, this is this thing backfired. So you know, just it's okay. I got a lot of, a lot of other war stories I can tell you. I know. I feel like you need to write a book. I don't. know. No, they wrote a book about me. Kind of. They did. They wrote a book. I, I, yeah, I have to get the book, and you know, maybe has it's the only one I know, but. But this lady that was here since the beginning, uh, she stayed, she worked at, at Bergstrom from the time that it was a tense and they were just setting it up to the time that it closed. And she wrote a book. And uh, she actually had me in it. Wow. She also, she also taught classes about, you know, writing and all that kind of stuff. And she tried to teach me and about two hours into the class, I just... <laughs> put my books together and left <laughs> it had nothing to do with the things i wanted something to do with so anyway. and that that episode got in her book so from coming here as your second assignment to wing commander uh then you surveyed worked with on the site itself and then you came back and worked at bergstrom now you're on the advisory commission, and also you volunteer at the airport. What what is the the draw? What is your passion with? You clearly love this place. Well, well particularly with with uh, the you know being an airport ambassador, people say that I just enjoy telling. I just enjoy telling people where to go. Well, that's what I do all day long. <laughs> but 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 you know I I like I like seeing people. I like uh, you know the airport. I'm. You know, I have a certain amount of uh, investment in it, I guess, maybe or something like that. I, 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 I think the people that work here are proud of what they do. I'm proud of what they do, and I'm proud of what being able to help do that. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always 
it's always neat when you see somebody come in and they haven't been here before and uh, they say, well, what is there to do in Austin and that kind of thing. You can, you can explain to them all the things that, that, that you're able to do in Austin. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Like I said, we've been really looking forward to speaking to you for months now at this point. So we really appreciate getting just kind of your insight and because you're one of those people who's really seen a lot of the history of the, both the airport and the Air Force Base. So again, thank you so much. Oh, I'm glad to be just a little bit part of the organization. They're proud. I'm proud of what they do. Um, they just had an airport inspection at, uh, a week or two ago and they did a yeah. great job. I know sure because did. I talked to the inspector. <laughs> and uh, that that uh, I mean, it's uh, it's something that uh, uh, the maintenance guys, the operations guys and planning and engineering and wherever do such a great job. And uh, as long as they're continuing to do it, we're going to have a tremendous, great airport when all this construction is done and it'll be fun. Well, thanks. Thanks for, for being here. Thanks for all that you do for the airport, Scott, and that you continue to do with the commission. Well, it's my privilege. I, I really enjoy doing it, and y'all have a great team. Keep up the great work. And as awesome. I always, I usually always say, say at the end of the meeting, seize the day. Wow, brilliant! Can you imagine having lived Scott Madol's life? Yeah, I keep thinking back. He was like the first time he came to Berkshire was like 1969. I'm like, that's that's a, he saw the history of so much both at the Air Force Base and then at the airport. It's really, really a cool story. I know. I, it's just, you don't really think about it until you, you you take sort of steps through it and just think of all the different people that he that he met, the different circumstances, the different issues that the the, the Air Force Base had and then the, the airport has as it starts to come to life. And, and now he's still volunteering. He still stands down there and volunteers um, on like Thursdays and Fridays or whatever and, and uh, at the terminal and and is on the airport. He's a, a an airport commissioner as well. It's just it's a total life of dedication to aviation. So, with all of that being said, we want to thank everybody for joining us this week. But before we go, we obviously have to talk that there is going to be a destination we're going to talk about this week. But I think it's appropriate. I think we've talked the history of the airport, the history of the Air Force Base, the history of aviation in Austin. Michelle, do you have any recommendations on what maybe our destination should be this week? I think our destination this week should be, drumroll, Austin. Why not? I, I, I totally agree. I think it's it's a little bit of a weird one considering we are the Austin airport, but I know that there are folks out there who listen to this podcast who maybe aren't from here or maybe thinking about playing a trip to Austin. So we've got somebody, one of my colleagues, Sam, is going to jump on and tell us a little bit about what she loves about Austin. So once again, thank you all so much for listening to The Austin Approach. I'm your co-host, Bryce Doobie. And I'm your co-host, Michelle Lai. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm Sam Haynes. I'm a public information specialist senior here at Austin Bergstrom International Airport, and I have lived on and off in the Austin area for the last 11 years. Things to know about Austin are that, yes, we are the live music capital of the world and may be known for our barbecue and tacos. But one of my favorite things about Austin as a local is our access to green spaces, waterways. One of my favorite things to do is to kayak down on Lady Bird Lake. 
I love being able to have the access to the water while still being nestled in a downtown environment. It's really cool, it's very exciting, and it's just a lot different from other big cities that have river walks or rivers going through their downtown here. Another thing that I always like to recommend to people, kind of related, is to visit Barton Springs. It is a natural body of water, a spring-fed pool that is always super cold. So if you're coming and visiting Austin for your summer getaway, your summer vacation, you will definitely want to take a dip in Barton Springs to cool off. My locals only insider info, favorite place to get Tex-Mex and interior Mexican cuisine is Sezon. Sezon is on South Lamar. It's got a big wraparound patio and it is delicious. It's amazing. It has the best queso I've ever had. And I am a native Texan. I've tried a lot of queso and I'm telling you definitively, Sezon on South Lamar has the best queso. So if you are planning a trip to Austin, I hope that you'll consider just taking in some of our park spaces, some of our natural bodies of water, and just enjoy it. I think you'll find that, that the people here, the locals, the folks that just moved here, and other visitors are all really friendly. You can always bump into somebody um, on the hike and bike trail and just start up a conversation. It's a, it's a great way to learn more about this community, this city, and this state. The Austin Approach is the official podcast of Austin Bergstrom International Airport and the City of Austin's Department of Aviation. Our theme music is produced by Michael Pinnock, the AUS Music Program Coordinator. Thanks for listening.